0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to Truck Up podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen. I'm here with Justin Super Trucker Martin. Mm-hmm. Yep. And before we get started, I want to thank OTR Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. Their fat and programs and solutions to take it supporting truck companies to a whole new level. I can do a whole podcast on everything these guys bring to the table Is the success stories that come from working with them. But for now, head on over to otrsolutionscom BTU to learn more and connect with our dedicated BTU
1: team. Justin, how are you doing, man? Doing well. We're uh, recording this podcast while my uh, two-year-old's taking a nap, so hopefully we can get this done before he uh, wakes up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, those those uh, uh, precious moments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we have been tasked by our illustrious leaders to come up with a podcast, basically helping truck drivers get into the business, how to be successful in the business. And prepare for that day to decide to grab the parachute and jump and get out of this business, either evolving into the back office in a dispatcher manager role or take this knowledge role into something else.
1: Yeah, it's a topic near and dear to me because so many guys get into this industry not knowing what to expect and then they're completely overwhelmed and they're missing out on a really good opportunity to branch off into other things
0: yeah a lot of people think oh it's just holding the steering wheel no sir you you've got you basically have to be part lawyer part mathematician uh part mechanic uh, well, 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 two parts mechanic (laughs) (laughs) yeah a whole that's a whole lot more you know uh you got all these rules and regulations you have to know basically by heart you know uh we have, well, let's see, hang on. We got the FFCSA motor carrier regulations. There's the HAZMAT regulations with its own book. Uh,
1: you got to know how to operate that uh, ELD inside and out. Uh, and that's all before you even get into your own company's, you know, rules and regulations too. Yeah. Well, that basically, that's just, like that's just, even, even before that's you get a... your CDL, you got to know all this. Because you're existing exactly. on it. Exactly. Yeah, times definitely changed from when we first started because EL- ELDs weren't even a thing. Uh, when I was going through CDL school, we were still using the old no, people No,
0: I, I, I remember when I started with oh, with Swift, you know, we basically had the little J.J. Uh, Keller buy them at the truck stop log books, you know, except it had you know, Swift branded on it. Then you go over to J.B. Hunt, and you got these big legal page-sized <laughs> log books, you know, the 8-inch the eight inch by 16-inch log books, which, you know, they want to know it. No, just about everything you've done up to breathing. What you did that day on that logbook. Uh, I
1: remember what we had at Schneider. Ours were pretty big. I remember they were like a little bit larger than your standard truck stop logbooks. Um, The second driving job I ever had, that was the first time I've ever had to like buy my own logbooks. Normally, when you're at a Schneider operating center, you just grab a a handful of them on your way out the door. Yeah. Oh.
0: Oh God. Yeah. We. It, they even people when you go up there to the free supply locker. I mean, just handfuls of log books, hand books of see, handfuls <laughs> of seals, handfuls of log books. Ha, uh, you know, just grab the whole stack of trip sheets. That way you never have to go back to the terminal for a year, you know?
1: <laughs> when you were I mean, at that's... Swift, did, did they have those? Um, so at Schneider Operating Centers, if you were at like one of the bigger ones, they would have these like showrooms set up and it was um, full of like Schneider. Uh, memorabilia and merchandise. And, oh yeah. The you know, company store. Yeah. I, I always loved walking. There. Like I, I wouldn't yeah. buy much there, but it was always fun to see all the stuff that they had for sale. Cause you know, you could, you could walk out looking like a, you know, a, well, a walking billboard. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's coming up winter time and the,
0: you know, as, you know, as they say, the best time to buy clothes is the opposite season. Mm-hmm. So when summer would come around, they throw the, all the winter clothes on clearance <laughs> <laughs> for about half off, if not more, you know, that's how wound up one of my big, uh, heavy winter jackets from Warner. You know, they, they had threw it on, I want to say 75% off. It was like one of those hundred dollar bomber jackets. I got it for about 20 bucks.
1: Oh, what a steal. Our, <laughs> it, our clothing at the postal service was so expensive because we're given an allowance. Oh. And so sky's the limit, you know, imagine the economics that go into like rising uh, college tuition, and now I'll just apply that to clothing. <laughs> so well, I would, I'll
0: look up. Working for the government, all I can manage is those $10 hammers. You know, the $10 nails and $100 <laughs> hammers. Yeah. God knows no, what those clothes are called.
1: It actually is. They're really nice. Um, I just can't wear them anymore because, you know, I'm not an employee. So I I donated most of my stuff before I left. But I kept a couple of jackets for myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So I am. Um, Getting back up to the modern day, you got the whole uh, entry level driver training program that's in it's you know, it's past, it's part of our lives now, even though we now have uh, some smaller companies asking for some exemptions from it. You know, as the word exemption is being thrown around more and more around the FMCSA, so yeah, like we said, it's not. You just can't go up to the DMV and ask for a CDL driver test anymore. You actually have to have this little card that you get from a, uh, an instructor saying you know what you're doing. So the step after that is trying to find a trucking company to work for. There's now... Let me see. There's now over 300,000 small fleets out in the world. Uh, eight Under 18 months is like 261,000 of those. Lot so, of new you know, a lot of new drivers, a lot of people getting their own authorities. You know, the, we're on the backside of the bu- of, of the great boom of 2021. You know, when rates were five dollars a mile and diesel fuel was a buck fifty. God, I wish we had those days back. I uh, might still be a, driving a truck if I, that was the case, but not now. Uh, so. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of money being thrown around around the fleets. You know, small fleets are coming up, mid sized to mega carrier fleets. They're having to throw around big sign on bonuses. Uh, one of the tools we have at our disposal, and you know, basically this actually goes to everybody, is if you go to the ratings.freightways.com slash driver pay, I believe is the web address, we have a whole list of all the companies that took our survey about driver sign-on bonuses average driver yearly pay uh, last time they raised pay you know likely for more pay raises you know and if they pay or they don't pay for license and training you know that's one of the big things we just talked about each driver training that's not cheap you know that's two three four thousand dollars going to what your instructor feels like paying
1: absolutely so and, and with like government grants and you know, student loans and, and everything going into this, the rates are only going to go even higher.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, as soon as the government subsidizes something, that goes through the roof. I mean, look what they just did to let their cars, you know? They gave what a $7,500 credit, tax credit. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the first thing everybody done? Jacked Rated. up everything <laughs> by eight, by $10,000, you know, to suck that up. Yep. Hey, uh, yeah. So, according to this list, I of pulled off, uh, If you're out in the Midwest, you know, Oregon, Idaho, that area, there's a company called Northwest Beef. I don't know if anybody's, you know, wanted to be a cattle hauler or a bull hauler. You know, that's a whole different world from being a box truck driver or a flatbed driver. You know, you you go out to the farm, you get loaded up, then you got to high speed it to the butcher pen because, you know, as that cow's going down the road, they're stressed, they're losing liquid weight, they're losing solid weight, if you know what I'm talking about there, you know... uh, (laughs) Uh, that mess that gets thrown, that's to be scraped out. You know, that's actually coming off the profits. Uh, fi- a f- they're offering a $15,000 sign-on bonus, which was kind of crazy, you know. I, I wouldn't expect to be top of the list, you know, a, a, a cattle hauler, you know. I would expect it to be like a, a mega carrier fleet or a sized fleet.
1: Well, especially for, you know, a number that they're throwing out like that. Um, they must be like super desperate. I I have to imagine because that's above and beyond the highest number on the list. You know, the next one down yeah. is ten thousand, and you know the one be- below that seventy five hundred, and then you got five thousand below that. So they're you know triple what some of the guys below them are offering. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, 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 like I said, that's a whole different can of
0: beans for what I've ever done. You know, I got a friend Franowitz high school with, uh, he's, he's a cattle hauler. He picks up here in Georgia and then he runs them up to, uh, Indiana, Illinois to uh, either another feed out lot up there or to out to basically get transloaded to another truck. That way they can go out to the slaughterhouses out West. Georgia and, to an, know, Indiana. That's, that's a pretty long haul. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm trying to remember what town it is. It's not that far into Indiana, but it's like out in the country. You as, as you get off. The interstate, you got to go like an hour off out to the farmland to, get, to, to do it all. It's about all you want to do in one day. Hmm. Plus, you know, that's considered ag exemption. So there's some different r- rules he has to play by and some uh, extra drive
1: time, you know? Yeah, I've always found it amusing how all these different companies get exemptions based on what they're hauling. Not exactly who the drivers are, but that's a yeah. topic for another discussion or another. <laughs> that, that's a topic <laughs> for another podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, next on the list, uh, actually somebody I was not surprised to see on here, a KLLM out of, uh, Richland, Mississippi, $10,000, uh, bonus, you know, up under a year. Then for, looks like, uh, $10,000 bonuses, looks like they're paying pretty good. They pay for training. Uh, and if you don't want to go long haul, you know, if you want to do LTL work, I mean, uh, SIA, you know, $7,500. That's pretty good, you know, and you get to be home every night. Always a bonus. Yeah, well, you know, that's another thing I hate seeing. And a lot of drivers like, oh, I want to do dedicated work, you know. I want to do, like, Centerpoint, like Walmart or Target, stuff like that. A lot of these carriers consider that home time as part of your pay package. And they actually, you know, will offer you less pay. I mean, look at some of the, what the make carriers do, you know. I'm not going to say which one to work for, but when I was OTR for this company, I was making 32, 33 cent a mile, which, you know, around the 2010 time frame, that was actually good money. You know, that's back when they were starting people off at of 20 cent. So I decided, Hey, I want to go uh, do some dedicated work. And, you know, everybody was like, don't do it. Don't do it. But like, I you know, I want to try to get home more, you know, try to be with the family. You know, there was some stuff going on at the time. And when I actually, so i got to look at this warehouse i was wanting to work dedicated out of they're like dude you're crazy but you know here's the offer and, you know it was like six or seven cent less than i was making otr and the reason for is like you're gonna be home every night
1: yeah stuff like that's like, always driver dependent because i regretted not getting on dedicated earlier uh w- when i was at uh, schneider because you know you make you can make good money Doing the drive-in OTR, but it's very volatile. You might have a good week, you might have a bad week. It's totally out of your control. You know, you're you're kind of at the mercy of conditions outside of your control. You might hit traffic, you might hit bad weather. You know, they might send you to an area where the the freight's dried up. You never know. Whereas at least with dedicated, you can start to plan ahead. You know, you actually know when you well, unless. Things also go wrong on your route too, which they can. Yeah, but you can try to plan on being home. You know, a couple of weeks ahead. You know how much you're going to have in your bank account. You know, so you can better plan your your spending habits. I I always recommend to guys if they have a family and they're trying to get into truck driving, you know, get something dedicated asap.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, that's kind of like one of the steps of trucking. When you start off as a company truck driver with a mega carrier, you're, you know, you're uh, you're you know, you're dirt at the bottom. You're going to be doing the the rough routes, the cross-country stuff. And, you know, as you're working for that carrier, you kind of want to poke your dispatcher, or whoever's in charge of you and, you know, try to work yourself up to you know do you have any uh, spot, uh, contracted spots open? Do you have any, like, dedicated spots open, you know? Maybe we even want to think about say, hey, can I you know, try to get over
1: to intermodal or something like that, you know? Yeah, and always always pester them too because they're not going to be seeking you out. The only reason I was able to get on a dedicated run is because guys kept getting hurt. It was a yeah. um it was it was an LTL run, but it's like you're on a long lane. So you would start you start just south of Indianapolis, pick up your trailer, and then say your final destination would be, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, and then you would make deliveries along the way um and then they would try to find you something deadhead uh to get you back but uh, you're you're jumping, you're jumping in and out of the trailer all the time. And uh, people were getting hurt. (laughs) And that's kind of how I wound up being, uh, uh,
0: getting on with a deck. Uh, it was first with Werner. Then when I transferred over to Schneider, Werner lost the contract with that particular Walmart and Schneider picked it up. Uh, it was one of the warehouses over in Pennsylvania. I can't remember which, no, not Pennsylvania, but Virginia. It's the warehouse that does Washington DC. And I, the first time when I was in Werner, you know, it was because some of the Walmart drivers got hurt. Werner was going to pick up that slack, you know, so they just did an all call to who was in the area that could work it. And, you know, here I was. So I went to running on that. And then when I, a couple of years later, when I went over to Schneider, Schneider was running that account. So I was like, hey, yep, I've worked there, you know. So went back to doing that for a while.
1: Yeah, people uh, don't appreciate, too, that it's, you know, obviously it's a job where, you could get into an auto accident, you know, at any given moment. But it's also a, a job that's very prone to the risk of injuries, too. You know, if you're not maintaining three points of contact, climbing in and out of your cab. You can slip and fall. Um, you, if you're trying to get into the back of a trailer to sweep it out, you know, if you don't hold on to something just right or if you don't hit your footing just right, you could you could easily get hurt. But most people don't think don't even think about that. They just think about the... The driving risks associated with the job. Now, uh,
0: going back to the ratings, FreightWave site. The uh, yearly pay. You know who's sign on bonus ain't everything, folks. It's Absolutely you also got not. to think about who's who's paying the who's going to be paying you the most. Uh, cool Mountain Transport out at Napa, uh, Idaho. People want to say Napa, Napa, California, but it's Idaho. Nampa, uh, yeah. are, <laughs> Nampa. Uh, Company driver, 100%, you know, all company guys, $90,272 a year for company guy. Not that bad.
1: Yeah. Idaho is kind of becoming California 2.0, so I imagine the cost of living is starting to go <laughs> up there, so maybe that's why they're uh, paying so high. But yeah, if you're, I, if always you're... Thought of, I always thought it was potato country till I went up there and it's
0: like, oh, urban sprawl is spreading up here.
1: Oh, and they get, so it's, it's actually, it's, there's really nice spots in Idaho and they get really, so I apologize to anyone from Idaho listening to this podcast. They get mad. Anytime somebody says anything nice about Idaho, because they're trying to keep it kind of hush. Yeah. It's
0: about, it's about like certain parts of Utah. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nothing to Z- see uh, Yeah. Uh, a town I've been to, a uh, Zetter trucking up a Yakima, Washington, uh, First year, $90,000, uh, 105000 a year afterward. That's not bad money working up there in the uh, Pacific Northwest.
1: Absolutely not. I mean, consider, you know, I was making less than half of that my first year driving. So. Oh, yeah.
0: oh, shoot. Half? I was making a third when I started. Yeah. God. I thought 35000 was big money. Hotlanta, you know, down in my neck of the woods. a uh, United Federal Logistics uh Eighty-five thousand a year, not not that bad money up in the uh, the freight hub of the southeast.
1: Yeah, and keep in mind these are all company driver positions. You know, you're not yeah, they, leasing yeah, on. All, you... These are all one hundred percent company guys. Yep, you are just meat in the seat. Now to
0: flip it over, to the owner operator guys. Uh, if you're up in the uh, the northeast eleven, up in maybe around the New Hampshire area, Manchester Motor Freight. Uh, owner operator, 95%, you know, they got a couple, couple of company guys, but you know, it's mostly owner operators, uh, 150,000 a year to 200,000 a year. Once you get some, uh, experience, if you know, you want to transition from company guy to owner operator, that's, that's not a bad deal.
1: Now, do you know if this is a uh, gross or net?
0: Uh, f- <sighs> this is probably uh, pre-tax, you know, okay, this is yeah, probably so always, you know, straight always out. Keep, always
1: keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, well, when you're when you transition owner operator, go ahead and just take that check and cut it in half because you're <laughs> gonna keep half and immediately spend the other half. Then that half you keep, tear it in half because yeah. you're gonna have long term stuff you going to have to use. So at of two hundred thousand, you might pull fifty thousand for yourself. But you know, once you become a company guy, uh, a owner operator, you're a company guy for yourself. You know, you still in the end making what you make working for a big company, you just, uh, toting a lot more
1: expenses. Absolutely. And keep in mind this, a lot of this stuff can also translate into other things. You know, you can go from a company driver to owner operator to a fleet owner, you know, and then you'll have guys working under you. Yeah. Well, I mean that, well, you know, the end evolution
0: of being owner operator, you want to be a fleet driver. I mean, a fleet owner, you know, uh, look at a uh, Sadea Morris, you know, pink Absolutely. transportation out there, port of New York, New Jersey, now living the life, uh, driving uh, driving her truck and driving a desk, you know. So, <laughs> you no know, hats off to her for making that evolution. Uh, another owner-operator company you might want to think about looking into, uh, Stork Transport out of Raleigh, you know. Uh, this is looking more to be like after-tax numbers, you know, $80,000 a year to $100,000. Uh, if you're pulling $80,000 after... After paying off the man, uh, the the IRS, that's that's pretty good money.
1: Yeah, not bad at all.
0: Oh, so you know, like we were saying, going from make a carrier down to working for yourself. I mean, like in the last date, I, I didn't put it up, pull it up for Justin, but I, I checked it up on a uh, sonar. Uh, eighteen months less fleets. You know, twenty six thousand new fleets for hire, in that are eighteen months or less that are so six trucks or fewer, you know, being just going out for yourself and, you know, bringing your buddy along. I mean, that, that's, you know, wild numbers. It's, I mean, it, it's still growing, you know, it, even though fuel is still, you know, $5 a gallon, some places for diesel and rates are still down in the bottom of the bucket. There's still people coming the you know, filing their authorities the, with the FMCSA to become uh, truck companies. It's, it, it's still a, a a big booming industry,
1: you know, to be a truck driver. Absolutely. I always tell people like once you have your CDL, it's kind of a golden ticket because yep. you know, you have all kinds of paths to where you can go. It might not be much happening in your area from time to time, but at least you'll be able to move to where, you know, there is work and you know, it might not be work you like for a while, but it as long as you are willing to do the work, you'll never be out of a job if you have a CDL.
0: Yeah. And when you just first start to decide, you know, I want to be a truck driver, weigh your options carefully about how you get that CDL training. You, If there are some shady places out in the world that do offer, you know, $2,000, three day CDL training, please do not use places like that because more often than not, a couple of months down the line, those places get hit with a... Uh, federal investigation, you know, and once those training schools get found illegal, all of the training certificates and licenses that come from that place are usually uh, void and not functional. You know, uh, a great example of that was a uh, key power truck driving school out in the Miami area. It was a uh, I'm not going to go too far into details about it, but a lot of people got got shipped to Florida to get CDL licenses and put out on the road. Then it was investigated, found to be uh, illegal. Then when that school was shut down, all of those licenses were, CDLs were uh, uh, revoked. And that led to a lot of people having to find a DMV somewhere and actually get their test, take, do their testing again. So make sure you're using a, a legit legal truck driving school preferably i would say go to a community college you know yes it's going to be a couple of months but a lot of times federal pell grants pay for that you know gi bills if you're coming out of the military that's a great place to go you'll get a lot more hands-on training a lot more book training you will uh you know uh, you know joe paul's truck driving school out of the back of the flea market you know
1: Exactly. And even if you do go to like a legit place and it is one of those quote unquote CDL mills, it's still not going to help you when you find a job. Because you can lie on a resume, you can cheat a drug test, you can BS your way through a face-to-face interview, but you cannot lie about being able to back a trailer up to a doc. Uh, just me personally, I had to turn down at least 15 people uh, when I was at a company that uh, we had like 15, 15 people apply. And they said, take them take them out on the road, see what they got. And uh, yeah, you can drive a straight line. You know how to shift your gears. But when it comes to like backing the trailers up to the doors, I mean, they were just all over the place. They were completely useless. And I don't know if you've ever heard that joke, Rooster. We call those Class F license holders. They can only drive uh, forward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, no. didn't, we, didn't, we didn't hire a single one of them. And you are talking about guys that went through – you know, weeks of, of classes classes, pay thousands of dollars for uh, a CDL school, and just kind of left them left them hanging. So yeah. check check reviews, talk to other drivers who have who have been through the course, and see where they're working now. If if you can't find anyone that used to that, if you can't find anyone that's been there before and see where they're working now, or if they won't put you in, in contact with anyone who who has, walk away. Do not waste your money. There, there's going to be other places where you can get your CDL for sure. Yeah, there's
0: a saying in truck driving, they, the company might be paying you by miles, but you're actually only paid when you uh, back up. So, you know, that 20, 30 feet you have to back up to hit a dock, you know, that's uh, <laughs> that's what you get paid to do. It's not going a thousand miles across the country.
1: That's always the ironic part because the part that you're getting paid for, that's the easy part of the job. It's the, you know, trying to park for the night or trying to, you know, worm your way through a crowded distribution center somewhere without hitting anything. That's where the skills parts come in, but they don't pay you for your skills. They pay you for not falling asleep driving a straight line.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, uh, we talked about finding a decent company work for, you know, how to research, uh, driver pay, driver sign-on bonuses, uh, kind of talked about how to, and advance your career while you're at a company uh let's go into uh the next phase of life you know uh you know we touched on being a coming owner operator then going to fleet ownership uh what about life out off the seat you know uh going from driving a truck to driving a desk you know there's uh ways to laterally move yourself out of a truck to either be in a dispatcher, going into the the back office world uh a lot of times that's going to require a little bit of a college education. You know, it's real, it, it could be done, but you know, it's kind of, you got to find these business degrees that you do online. And, you know, some of those schools are kind of shady. You remember, uh, you, you see the commercials on TV all of the time of these uh, uh, online only schools, you know, here, here lately, there's been a couple of them uh, shut down, uh, you know, get in a college education, you know, bachelor's degrees in business administration, something like that. If you want to become a, uh, uh, get into the office, you know, you'll have to work on that.
1: Uh, Well, I've known some guys that were drivers for a while and now they're freight brokers and none of them have college degrees. So it's not necessarily that a degree is required, um, but you are going to have to know how to like type on a computer and answer the phones and all that stuff. But that, that could be stuff that you've had, experience in even before you went into truck driving. Um, that was one thing I always appreciated, uh, at my truck driver school through uh, Schneider was that we met people from all walks of life there. I mean, we're talking doctors and lawyers and, um, you know, one guy was a politician way back in the day. Another guy delivered babies for 20 years and this was going to be like his retirement plan, you know, just kind of ride out his sunset years and drive a truck. Um, but yeah, you're, there are people that go into truck driving, from all walks of life, and then there are people who leave truck driving and go all over the place too. You know, this this can translate into any number of career paths going forward.
0: You know, uh, I you know, shoot, how long put this? You know, you talk about the drivers becoming brokers. You know, you can uh, do that. You know, there's a lot of people that you know just get tired of being an owner operator. They'll uh, decide to put down the bond and become a broker. Uh,
1: well, plus to being a driver, you have the experience of knowing where the best freight is, where freight lanes are heading to, you know, you never want to get a really good load going somewhere and then realizing that you're going to get your driver stuck somewhere in a dry spot. You know, you want to keep the, the truck moving. And so all the best dispatchers I've ever had were former drivers themselves.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, the drivers that do get into the office, you know, those are usually some of the greatest people that work, you know know, yeah, they're a few far between,
1: you know, the Well, and they're also gonna know what it's like being in that truck. If they're if they're really gonna send you somewhere and it's, you know, ten below and they realize, okay, this guy might be parked for a day or two in this spot, they're gonna not not to say that they won't send you there, you know, sometimes that you got no choice, but they'll at least know what you're going through versus someone who's never been behind the wheel. You know, I think they had a program at Schneider uh years ago where anyone who was a dispatcher there had to ride in the truck with a driver for like a couple of days. And that program didn't last long. Too many people could not, they weren't even <laughs> driving themselves. They were just riding shotgun with the driver. And yeah. even they were like, I, I can't do this. So <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta also imagine how hard it is for the driver that you tell them to go somewhere.
0: And that and I, I hate to say it, that's one thing I, I see a lot in mega carriers. They, they like that when brick wall and plate glass window between the drivers and the dispatchers, that way they don't see, see what we're dealing with out here and they can do their job better of trying to force more freight loads as soon as possible, you know, to get that, that pay out of that volumetric pay system they have up there, you know?
1: Well, something all new drivers need to learn from the get go is the word safety, you know, they can force dispatch. They can say force dispatch all you want, but if they're trying to get you to do something that's not safe, you need to be able to put your foot down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anytime you communicate with your dispatchers
0: or anybody in corporate, please, uh, I, 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 it, it kind of sounds illegal when I say this, but record that conversation, either have them transmit it to you via a Qualcomm or it, it can be can be you know, considered evidence, or invest in something like ACR, you know, automated call recording, an app that you can put on your phone. Uh, please tell them you're recording, because there are certain laws that you have to let them know, and they have to agree to be recorded. But you know, you want to you want to have a copy of something in case something, a, a copy of the evidence, or hang on, a copy of the call in case something unfortunate happens and you have to deal with a legal issue or a court case or
1: yeah. If you're, if your job gives you a, a device to stay, you know, in touch either through communication or something that you're logging into to get paid and they ask you to log out of that device or to contact you through other means, like either on a personal device or whatever, do not walk away from that company run because if, if they're, if they're pulling stunts like that, one, it's they're trying to mitigate the risk from themselves onto the driver because, sure, you might be able to pull it off and you're thinking you're doing them favors and stuff. But if something goes wrong, all the responsibility of that screw-up is now on you because you're, you are, at the end of the day, the captain of your ship, so to speak. And, and when something goes wrong, the driver is responsible.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's there's some shady stuff that goes on in some of these companies. that You know, that... Mo- I would say 95% of it does come to light, but there's always that little portion that still keeps swept under the rug by some of these companies.
1: Yeah. any Anytime they wanted me to do something, you know, and I'm not, I'm not picking on any company in particular, but you know, if, if they're telling you to do something and it doesn't feel right, you just, all you say is, okay, send me those orders over the Qualcomm, please. And then you hang up and if they do it, all right, you know, you know, start, start working on it. But uh, yeah, if, if you hang up and then uh, they never say anything back to you, then you you know something squirrely was going on.
0: If you haven't gone to OTRsolutions.com slash BTU yet, here's your reminder. Not sure how to say it, but factoring these guys just makes sense. They're focused on driving your success and helping you grow your company. They've gone as far as offering custom business email address setups so you can negotiate federal rates with brokers. There's just so much opportunity out there and OTR is your ticket to success. So head on over to OTRSolutions.com slash BTU and check out their solutions. Jobs after trucking that don't even involve trucking, you know. Uh, Let's talk about former podcast best, uh, Mike Millard. You know, uh, he was a former truck driver, former military. Uh, Now he's a, you know, Mike's a consultant now, and he's basically hired on people that has questions about hazmat. You know, that's taking your knowledge and turning it into a, a, a profit generator. You know, some people can go out and be writers like I am, you know, writer for freight waves, you know, taking my experience behind the wheel and, you know, doing articles, you know, some people can write books, uh, you know, it's a different way of thinking, you know, but you know, it's how I've taken my 15 some odd years of being a truck driver
1: and transforming it to a a, a, a form of income. You know, before I got into truck driving, my passion, so to speak, was to go into film school. And it was outrageously expensive, so (laughs) I basically just bounced (laughs) bounced around from job to job for years living living in South Florida.
0: Yeah, and if I'm right, I believe we we I I don't think I haven't told you, but I believe we both went the full cell. You know, at some
1: point in time, (laughs) I was I was a senior I was a senior in high school, and they had sent me the applications, and I was scheduled to go like on a tour of the campus and everything, and then when they sent me the uh, the actual like sum total of what the what the cost was going to be. It was like seventy four or $78,000. This was in yeah. 2002. And I went, uh, nope. <laughs> I was actually going for, I actually, I went for about nine,
0: I think it was about nine months. I was actually going to be for game design and stuff got in the way and I had to stop going, you know, kind of felt sad about it, but.
1: Oh, so you were you actually know, there.
0: I know I was online, you know, they sent me the the uh, the MacBook Pro, you know, sent it to the house, you know. I was oh, wow. doing
1: stuff from home. Yeah, see, they for, for programs like their film school, they don't even do anything remote. It's it's all like in person, hands on. Oh, and part of the reason why it is so expensive is because they they try to simulate the actual working conditions of like the jobs and careers that you're going to be going into, um, or at least this was the case back then. Back back when I was looking at it, they were still a a, um, a technical school. They weren't full sale university like they are now. Yeah. So when you look into them now um when you go through one of their programs you come out the other end with a bachelor's degree uh as well as whatever career uh, certificate program you're going through but you're taking all these extra classes that have nothing to do with you know so you say you go in for film you're going to be taking like world history and stuff it's like things that don't need to be taken but you have to take them because now it's an accredited um an accredited school and these, these accreditation programs require Um, extra classes, kind of like what we're seeing right now with the CDL schools. You know, they're, they're trying to create Mm. an accreditation system for CDLs. And that's why you have to take all these extra classes now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I I hate to say it, it's going to get to the point. I don't think you're going to have independent truck driving schools. It's going to be through an accreditation system, a college system or a truck, major trucking company that can get, make a deal you know, I'm not going to say which trucking company this is or where this is at, but uh, Justin and I was recently out by their headquarters, you know, and look, look lo and behold, what have they done? You know, they have uh, joint this truck, comp- major truck company is now part of a university, you know, sponsoring one of their uh, programs, so... I I think the table's starting to get set when we see these major truck companies, mega carriers partnering up with large universities and colleges to uh, kind of bottleneck the program into the mega carrier, you know?
1: Yeah, it's a shame because a lot of the guys that I went through training with um, that like grew up on farms, you know, they're driving the farm equipment since they were children. And they were driving yeah. circles around all of us. They were around, just, yeah. They didn't have their commercial driver's licenses or anything, but they had the skills already, you know, from years and years of driving, which you, you yeah. can't get that at a, at a CDL school in a two week course. <laughs> well, you know, bring up the word ag exemption again. You know, you can go to
0: certain states, have ag exemptions for CDL training requirements. You just got to be 18 years old. You got to, It'll be intrastate only or some places county only but you know you could go get the the old white gmc 1970 grain truck you know that's you know a, a class seven and you know drive it around for your paw for you no know, hauling corn back of two or hauling feed to from uh, the grain bin out to the feed out lot you know
1: yeah, and you always got to be wary about programs like that. To have anything that re- relies on an exemption, they're not going to be around forever because that exemption is going to go away, or it's just going to be too much of a hassle to continue. You know, it's I I, I can't stand when when programs like this exist where, you know, it's it's rules for for me but not for thee kind of stuff. You know, these yeah. kind of these kind of rules need to be applied across the board. If so and so is getting an exemption because of what they're hauling. I, I never understood why that can't translate into other, other types of freight or other, other situations. Nah. So what do you, okay. Let's circle back to beginning of our careers. What, what was like one of the f- first like major mistakes you realized going forward uh, when you started, or if, if you were doing it all over again, like what, what would you have done differently? Uh, first, do a little more research in the company. <laughs> uh,
0: if nobody's heard my my hire-on story before I was actually uh, filed application for MS Carriers, which is now uh, was bought out by Swift, you know, back in the early 2000, it was MS Carriers was the biggest carrier on the eastern Mississippi, Swift was the biggest carrier on the western Mississippi. So when I can't remember exactly the backstory, but when MS Carriers decided to close down, you know, Swift went in and bought them so i filed the application for the MS carriers to get on the greyhound invite us to georgia on the way up to memphis the where the ms carrier terminal was to get trained you know their big training lot it, it's you know down the down the road from graceland and uh, the memphis airport and all that so when i get to memphis you know there's me and there's about 17 other people waiting for the, the bus to come pick us up and you know there's no bus saying MS carriers like, you know, that the paperwork told us. There's a a couple of Chevy uh, 15 passenger vans across the street that got swift on them. So we're all standing around, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb. And finally, the guy in the van rolled down the window and said, hey, you guys from MS carrier? I was like, yeah. He said, "Uh, MS carrier don't exist anymore. No they, they got bought out the day by Swift. You,
1: so it happened. It happened that, now. It happened that day on that you the bus.
0: Up. On the bus that of uh, that sixteen-hour bus ride from South Georgia to Memphis. It, they literally signed the paperwork, changed everything over, and didn't tell
1: anybody. You know, thank you, recruiters. Hmm. So okay, but what was there anything majorly different between MS carriers and Swift at the time?" Other than photography.
0: Uh, well uh, really I didn't get a chance to know enough about MS Carrier, but you know, that was the it was kinda like apples and apples when you compare them from what I was told. But, you know, I went to the driver's school, you know, it was four week school. They put us up in a hotel, uh, Monday through Saturday was school, you know, book work first week and a half, then we did like uh the medical the medical cards. I think after a week and a half, then they finally let us get out on the driving range, which is the old, uh, the old airstrip by the uh, by the U.S. Navy Supply Depot that's outside
1: of Memphis. Uh, it's now the uh, road. It's the Roadmaster School now. Hmm. Did you actually get to do any in-town driving there, or were you guys exclusively on the range? No, no, no. We uh, we rode around inside of Memphis. You know some of the streets,
0: uh, going through the the commercial area, you know, around BNSF railroad, around FedEx, uh, going down some of the back streets around where, uh, uh, some of the LTL carriers hang out at. Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's pretty good experience too, especially with all those railroad crossings. like in, um, Green Bay, Wisconsin, oh, yeah. Green Bay, Wisconsin, there were plenty of tracks that you had to go across and, uh, you, you can't beat that kind of training because the, the habit, the habits that they're trying to drill into you when you first start, you know, if, If you knew how to drive a stick shift before you started driving a truck, it was actually kind of detrimental to your training because you pick up habits in a car that you don't want to have in a truck, like resting your hand on the shifter. Or, you know, the one I never really understood was uh, uh, shifting gears going across a railroad track. You know, they they don't want you clashing your gears before you, uh, you know, make it across the tracks. And uh, it's it's one thing to like have that instructed into you on a driving range but it's a whole other thing to actually being you know doing circles around town and 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 learning this as you go well one of the biggest driving
0: ranges that they have was uh going back to that uh bank robbery that was in memphis Mm stuff you know uh we did article on that uh marion i believe was the name of the town uh, swift at the time i was using i don't know if they'd still do now but that frontage road next to I-55 going up and uh, north and south, once you get past West Memphis, uh, that's like one of their big training courses. They'll take you on the interstate, and they'll get you to that first truck stop on 55 North there. The and You'll drive up about four or five miles, cross over the interstate, go back down, cross back over, go to that truck stop, and then you'll swap over uh you know, students, and then he'll take us run up down the, the frontage road. Then I think that last week they actually put us on the interstate going back into from uh, Memphis up to Nellie's Landing. You know where Procter and Gamble is running some freight. You know to put to, to for the training school to pay for itself. You know yeah. they had to run freight.
1: So with these kind of training courses and these facilities and stuff, why do you think it is? swift especially that gets like that reputation of being like you know (laughs) the one that has all the worst drivers or do you think it's just that's the the name is so perfect you know makes a great acronym and it's just kind of stuck with them now and they're like no worse or better than most other carriers uh, it's just uh, every every
0: carrier has you know their fair share of accidents and incidents. The problem is mega carriers, they have more trucks out of the road than anybody. Absolutely. So they'll, they'll be more uh, shunned in public cause it's more accidents happening under their brand, you know? So, yeah. It's, so it's like a, it's, you know, it's a
1: number, it's a numbers game. They just happen to be like the number one or number two carrier with the most trucks. So of course they're going to be the yeah. ones with the most accidents. And, and also, you know, they're what we,
0: what we call, you know, the, a, a starting tier company, you know, they're, They'll hire anybody. They'll train anybody. They really don't. Well, if you pass a P-test, you know, they'll hire you on. So it's not really like they're trying to call call out the crowd as much as though you was like a FedEx or UPS or Walmart would.
1: Yeah. And, you know, back when, you know, you and I started, you needed to get at least two years experience with a lot of places, you know, in one of these kind of mega carriers before any other companies would look at you let alone like you know top companies like walmart so to speak you know if you had even like a parking ticket you know kind of being facetious here but like they were they were rejecting um applicants like what was this i read this article yesterday it was um at the time in 20 in 2008 walmart had the same walmart had a stricter acceptance rate than harvard yeah which is like nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: they they were the elite fleet for a reason.
1: Yeah, and my, my worry is that these companies, because times are getting desperate and that pipeline of new driver into mega carrier into better company has begun to, you know, dry up, so to speak. They're, I don't want to say they're lowering their standards, but they're definitely, you know, their, their pass rate is like 80% now, which used to be like 5%, you know, so what does that tell you? You know, either they're lowering their standards or they're making the test easier. And then they just yeah. try to make up for it by, uh, you know, more stringent training as they go. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard any, anything so far of that new program backfiring on them. And I hope it never does. Um, cause it is a, yeah, it is a decent job and it pays great. Um, but I always worry that whenever companies start lowering their standards to get more applicants, you know, the accidents start to rise.
0: Well, I, I,
1: i got a feeling that that
0: might not be hanging around you know the i think the reason a lot of these guys had to do that and had to boost their their pay rates to attract more drivers was because of the way how the economy was you know we were getting into weighted with freight you know long beach la long beach was backed up to the gills uh You know, a lot of freight was having to be ran through the Panama Canal, over to Savannah, over to the East Coast, you know, because they couldn't get it offloaded in time from the West Coast ports like they usually do. So they had to hire on more drivers, you know, in different parts of the country to handle that. But now you've got this inventory glut going on, you know, the back rooms of the Walmarts are stocked. You know, they're having to throw stuff on clearance sooner than they wanted to. And now you're starting to see these uh, ports starting to open up and get cleared out. So I'm, I'm thinking that's not going to last too much longer. So if you kind are thinking about being a truck driver and you want to grab some of these uh, big sign-on bonuses, it's I think that window is starting to close
1: as you know the, the the backlog of freight does get cleared out. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is very regional dependent because, like, I'm in the Northeast and. Just before Christmas last year, every company out there was just throwing out insane numbers, you know, $30 an hour, $40 an hour, trying to get as many drivers as they could. And then like by January 5th, not a peep. I mean, I had UPS, SIA, Yellow, or YRC, whatever they're calling themselves now. I mean, all these like LTL carriers and local positions opening up everywhere. And I was still at the postal service and I was telling my wife, like, I'm, saying no to every one of these offers, but man, it's getting harder and harder to uh, say no to some of these offers are thrown out now. And um, yeah, I, when you, when you look on, <laughs> when you look online now, nobody's hiring. They're they're all full because yeah. they, they got everyone they yeah. needed at the time. And uh, they haven't had, see companies like that have nowhere near the high turnover rates that like a mega carrier has. Um, that's why you never no, really, I, mean, we got you mega, know, I mean, you never heard these companies ma- complaining ma- about driver shortages ma- before.
0: Yeah. Mega carriers are so bad with their turnover rate. They're some of them are now in the hundred and fifty to hundred eighty percent range, which you know that's you're literally, literally having to hire almost two people to make up the hope that one stays around to fill a seat, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, I can't I don't see how any company like that is sustainable in the long term. You know, if you have a situation like that, that tells you that there's something else going on right there. Like it's it's not just a matter of um, oh, there's better work out there, or whatever. It's it's like a reflection on your company. It has to because no driver, nobody that's being that nobody that feels like they're being taken care of is going to leave a company. You know, it's it's when because it's it's such a pain in the ass to get hired somewhere else. You know, you're you're you have to put in your two weeks. You know, if you, if you want to do it right, you got to put in your two weeks. So you got to wait for your dispatch to get you back to the home terminal, turn your truck in, empty the truck out, go apply somewhere else get hired and then move all your stuff in. Like it's, it's such a pain, you know? And that's why when I, I think when, when people finally do get pushed to the edge of quitting, to the point of quitting, like it, it, it really took a lot to, to get them to that point.
0: I mean, try to think about this in a biological way, you know? I mean, the, the company's bleeding out and they're having to re- replace drivers, you know, the, the vital fluid of the company, you know, that keeps them going at a, a rate not only to keep themselves going, but to cover the amount of
1: of drivers they're losing.
0: You know, it's it, it is quite unhealthy when you think about it.
1: Especially, yeah, and like you know, continue down. Because I love metaphors. If you're replacing uh good blood with bad blood, guess what? Now you're getting poisoned. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it doesn't take much, you know, It I, I really try to just to, to stress this to companies. Like it doesn't take a lot for drivers to feel appreciated. Just ease off on some of the forced dispatch, work with your driver a little bit on the home time. Obviously, if the driver oh. isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know, you got to take care of that. But um, I really, really like that point that we did with um, uh, Joey on the last episode is uh, decentralization. You know, you hire somebody, you train them to do the job. And then you leave them alone to do the job. If they're not doing the job right, okay, then you got to step in and, and take corrective action. But nobody likes the feeling of having the Palantir right there in the cab of the truck with you with the ISR on, you know, <laughs> beaming in your face 24-7. Yeah. Forget forget truck drivers. Uh, Just imagine an office worker with a, a camera staring them right in the face. Like nobody would want to work in the condition like that but that's what these companies are trying to do with drivers right now. And I'm not against having cameras on the trucks facing outward, you know, as a driver, that's, you know, it helps you too. Like if you're, if somebody hits you and and you have the camera footage to prove that you weren't at fault, great. But you know, if you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing and you caused an accident, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, that's on you now, but to just have the camera facing you all the time, it's one, it's just creepy. And it's a, invasion of privacy and nobody wants that plus the the truck is basically your home while you're on the road you know even if you're working at an office job or a warehouse somewhere and you're constantly under surveillance when you clock out and go home for the day the camera is still back at the job site the camera isn't following you to where you sleep yeah uh you know talking about feeling
0: appreciated guess what we just had here recently (laughs) National Truck Driver Appreciation
1: Week just came and went. How long ago did that start? Because I gotta say, I, I I don't. I know I was. I know I was insulated being in the postal post office and then a little bit of government before that. But I I swear I've never heard of this holiday until this year.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, it's never, not a federal never... holiday. It, it should well, be. Like,
1: you know what I mean? It's it's like one of those hall, hallway greeting cards type holidays, but it just it feels like this year they're trying to push it more, which I can not appreciate, but. It's it's risky because it's so much. It's so easy to screw this up and look like an idiot. Then it is. Oh, we to go there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. I'm not going to name names, but like, uh-huh. if you're going to have a kickoff for driver appreciation in the front of your private jet, you know, the only thing missing from that image is a giant cigar. And I will yeah. say, the rest the rest of that campaign looked great. You know, you meeting with the drivers and glad handing and you know it's all smiles great fine lead with that first next time that's all i'm saying (laughs) yeah i mean
0: yeah we we always every driver when they hear truck driver appreciation we we always cringe because we know what's going to happen and yet again 2022 we see it happen yet again we have the pr campaigns by to make carriers every every one of the big barbecues at the terminals the i'm not gonna like we just said we're not gonna name names but one moronic ceo out in front of this big fancy private jet with you know the camera crew out there you know saying he's gonna fly out the this hair this there and everywhere visiting truck drivers in front of his jet you know uh why don't wait a couple of hours sir and go and have the truck drivers with you in the promotional video for truck driver appreciation week not at a private airstrip in front of your private
1: jet yeah you you see that all the time not not just with this company but a lot of places you know any anybody crowing about driver appreciation my first thought when i look at these images is okay where are the drivers it's almost always office yeah. workers or dispatchers yeah. or you know, clerks or whatever. Which I get it. You know, it's really hard to do that stuff when your employees are remote and on the road. But I'm not seeing enough companies. I think use the power of social media to their advantage. You know, when I was first driving, most most first of all, social media didn't exist like it like it does today. Back then, but when Facebook started becoming more and more prevalent, a lot of companies had in their policies like you know stricts social media guidelines, like do not take photos of yourself while you're on the road, do not have the company logo in the background, you know, and, and then when I was into the military freight and government freight, it was even even more strict, you know, it was like, do not uh, do not post where you're at, do not post where you're going, do not post where you've been, you know, it, yeah. I basically have like a, a four year social media gap <laughs> of like no posts, no images, no nothing, uh, I was, I was like, yeah. I was a ghost to most of my friends and family on Facebook for uh, those couple of years. But I think now with the, with the rise of TikTok and all these, you know, quote unquote influencers out there, man, these companies are missing out on a, just an absolute golden opportunity because these guys are, and gals are doing all of this stuff on their own. And it is amazing pre-advertising for these companies. You know, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, but you can at least show all of that and anyone who sees that up front and still goes for it, that's the kind of person you want driving for your company.
0: Yeah. We always see these videos of the barbecues, the 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 gift giveaways. Uh, my advice for these companies is please do something for drivers that attendance is not necessary, that it it's not a hat and t-shirt that's being shipped to the to a driver's house that they're never home at. Uh, promote what you're doing for the guys out on the road. You know, are you giving them a, a a stipend for a free meal or something? You know, a lot of mega carriers partner up with truck stops. You know, uh, pilot flying Jay loves they all have their like little points programs. Uh, put out there, you're giving these drivers, you know, uh, 2,000, 2,500 points to spend on a meal for truck driver appreciation week, something that every driver can use, not just a handful, you know, not, not, not the chosen few cause when you research these chosen few, it's usually road team captains or people that have connections in with the, the front office, you know, they're, they're best buddies, their second cousins, you know, Absolutely. family members, you know, it, it's always cringe when I hear the term road team captain cause yeah. you always know it's, Somebody handpicked, and there's some reason why.
1: Yeah, no my my thing now is like driver appreciation isn't a day, a week, or a month. It's twenty four seven, three six three sixty five. You know, you're you're you're, it's it's so hard to explain this. It's very patronizing as a driver when you see you know your company say, "Hey, we appreciate you," and it's like, "Okay, cool." What about the rest of the year? You know. it's like i said it's so easy to screw this stuff up it's very rare that you see companies actually pull off any kind of you know quote-unquote appreciation holiday and uh, not make it a giant cringe fest
0: yeah it's uh i'm hoping to use my my job now to kind of promote what trucking companies need to do to change to show more appreciation to the truck drivers and not treat us you know, like the little minions that a lot of them think that we are. You know,
1: well, oh, even well, even minions are at least recognized as like living creatures. Well, yeah, I mean they're they're <laughs> social media icons now. You know, uh,
0: <laughs> well, Justin, it's been a, uh, over an hour, and it's about a time for us to saddle up and head on out of here.
1: Yeah, my kid's still napping, so that's always a plus. Hey, maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll get a, like another half hey. hour after we're finished here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right so uh ladies and gentlemen we don't usually talk about what we're doing on our next episode of the podcast but uh we talked about being a truck driver getting through truck driver school finding a good company uh now we're kind of going to uh, go to what you're supposed to be doing while you're out on the road and uh one of those things is cargo safety and if you had not been going to back to truck and uh checking out our articles or uh the videos the tiktoks uh you may have noticed a little bit of the tick-up in cargo thefts here recently. So, kind of proud it So, we got a couple of uh, uh, big names joining us on the podcast here in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to be having the overhaul on the podcast, uh, going over some uh, uh, freight safety tips and situation. And uh, uh, kind of a big, uh, what I call a big get for me, uh, we're going to be having CargoNet on the podcast here in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you guys don't know who cargo net is they're one of the major uh, cargo theft monitoring companies out in the world of back when i was a uh, uh, bco for landstar we were basically <laughs> shovel-fed cargo net reports of, of areas with theft you know uh, trying to avoid certain areas of the country and you know CargoNet does puts out the uh, articles constantly of uh, what's going on, what's being stole, how much is being stole. Kind of like the, the, the big, one of the big uh, security end all be all's. And, and I'm kind of proud to have them coming on the show here in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. It's always nice to talk to like industry veterans like that, because you know, you you see what you see while you're on the road and there's all this other stuff that you miss. And when you connect with guys like this, they just have just ungodly amounts of, of facts and, and knowledge and, uh, advice that they can get to a driver that you just don't even think about while you're driving. Yeah, I mean it's uh, the the
0: saddest feeling. I think one of the worst days of my whole career was uh, back in either 2008 or 2009. I had a uh, some uh, cargo stolen out of the back of my trailer in Atlanta, up off of International, uh, I believe it's International Boulevard, uh, right there down from the pilot on the south side of Atlanta. And that was like the worst two or three days of my life. Having to deal with police reports and, uh, security briefings and all that stuff. And it was just, uh, I don't want a driver to go through it. Not worth it. uh, You know, I had padlocks on both doors sealed up tight and, you know, you pull up there, you get there a couple hours early, you're sitting around and you hear something go boom. You walk to the back of the trailer and, you know, both doors are open and, you know, there's stuff everywhere and it's like, Oh God,
1: it takes no, yeah, it takes no time at all with a, with a good pair of bolt yeah. cutters. It takes no time at all to uh, break into a trailer. And even with yeah. uh, the rise of YouTube and channels like lock lawyer, you know, both good guys and bad guys can see his content and see just how easy it is to uh, compromise a lot of these locks.
0: Well, I mean, you can go down to home Depot and buy, buy, uh, uh, buy a cordless bolt cutter. Now I mean, you know, so, <laughs> you know, technology is good for some things.
1: <laughs> well, I just um, i, I and I'll, we'll we'll probably end on this tangent here, but I always drove as if, you know, I had no locks on the truck because uh, yeah. not, to, not to say I didn't drive with locks, but I would say I would drive as if I didn't because no matter how many locks you have on the back of you, or especially with however many locks you have on the back of you, that just makes you an easy target. You know, the, the more... You try to secure your load, the, you know, juicier a target that makes you look like to, uh, you know, the bad guys. Yeah.
0: Keep your head down. Don't draw attention, stuff like that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The other thing, too, I, you know, I I don't understand why these companies don't do this. Park the trailers against a wall. Don't park your trailers 10 feet from a chain link fence. That's like just rule number one. (laughs) Oh. a a, A kingpin lock and a nice sturdy concrete wall is going to do you a lot more than, you know, a $1,000 fancy lock. I uh, yeah, I mean, I'm,
0: one of the things I'm going to be getting together is going to be some pictures of the the recent thefts and that uh that Nike theft over in Memphis, you know. Mi- millions of dollars of Nike shoes and they're like right next to a chain link fence. No cameras. And and, it ha- and parts of the chain link fence are knocked down yeah, from no, where that's- trucks have been trailers have been backed into it i mean it's like a little four foot chain link fence at a ball field
1: i I call situations like that a a chernobyl incident where at least a dozen cases of we shouldn't be doing this have happened before something something catastrophic has happened because you know unsecured lot no cameras no security just like check 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 what did they think was going to happen
0: yeah it's it's sad oh all right folks i it's been a blast today just having a uh, good old under the learning tree session as i like to call it yeah this was fun uh, i'm james rooster bowen this is just the super trucker martin and we will catch you guys down the road